0: take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'd like for us to read from the 3rd verse down to verse number 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 to 7. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, in verse number 3 it reads, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let's bow for prayer. O God, please teach us from your word this morning. I pray that you'd meet each one at that point of need spiritually. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen. Our emphasis this month is stewardship, being a good steward of Jesus Christ. Stewardship is not in what we have. It is all about what are we doing with what we have in our possession. Stewardship involves entrustment. God will hold you and I accountable for what He has entrusted to us. The Bible teaches that there are two main judgments that involve all of mankind. There is the great white throne judgement. This is for those that have chosen to reject Jesus Christ as their own personal saviour. The result of being a part of this judgement And because of a rejection of God's offer of eternal life in Jesus Christ, the result of this will be that those individuals will be cast into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. Then there is the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment is for all genuine born again Christians the end result of this judgment will be the issue of rewards either one or loss as to how we have lived our lives for Jesus Christ and that's spelled out in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 11 to 15 God will hold us all accountable for what we have in our possession. God calls us all to be good stewards of that which God has entrusted to us. There are a number of possessions that we all have been given, especially for those of us that would refer to ourselves as genuine Bible-believing Christians. One of those is the gospel. The gospel. God calls you and I to be good stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the title of my sermon this morning Stewards of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. God wants us to be good stewards of the good news. That's what the word gospel means. The good news. What is that good news? That Jesus Christ died for man's sin, was buried and then on the third day he arose from the dead. That's the good news of the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of the gospel you and I can receive forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He offers you and I the gift of God which is eternal life only available in the person of Jesus Christ and you and I that understand the gospel you and I that have received the gospel we are accountable to share that good news with others we are to be good stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ now, note, please, in our text this morning that we've just read, in verse number three, it teaches us, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And then note in verse number seven, once again, But we have this treasure. What's the treasure? It's the gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 4, please. In whom the god of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the gospel, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, our Lord. We have this treasure that is the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ in our possession and this gospel needs to be distributed to others. And this is the emphasis here within these verses. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels as mortal beings, We have wealth in our possession, earthen vessels, clay jars, mortal beans. God has entrusted to you and I that know Jesus Christ as Saviour, God has entrusted into our care, into our possession, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are responsible to share that gospel message with others because we have treasure. We have wealth that has not only satisfied our needs but is the answer to man's need around us. We have this treasure in our possession. For the Bible teaches us people are spiritually blinded. If our gospel be hid, it is hid from those that are lost. The devil is an expert at blinding people's understanding, blinding people's reception of the truth of the gospel. So what will open their eyes? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's referred to as light. The gospel is the only light that will penetrate and give sight to the blind and light to those in darkness. And we have this treasure, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our possessions. And God will hold us accountable for what we are doing with this treasure. For people are spiritually blind in their sin and it's only the gospel that will give them light, that will give them hope. And you and I that know Jesus Christ as Savior, we have this wealth in our possession. It's not to be kept for ourselves. We enjoy the benefits of it. But there are men, women and children all around us that are in need of that light. They're blinded. And the devil is continually blinding them to hope, to truth, to forgiveness. And it's only the gospel of light that will penetrate through that darkness and impart light. What are we doing with the treasure of the gospel in our possession? My friend, God will hold us accountable. Are we sharing this wealth with others? The only remedy for man's sin is found in the gospel. The only sure hope in this unstable world is the gospel. The only answer to Broken relationships is the gospel. The only guarantee, 100% guarantee of a sound mind, lasting joy, satisfaction and peace beyond comprehension. Yes, you guessed it. It's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in earth and vessels. We are wealthy in Christ and we are responsible to share that message with others because the devil is blinding them, blinding their hearts and minds to truth. And it's only the gospel that will impart light and life. Beloved, we need to be good stewards of the gospel of Christ and God will hold us accountable because as verse 7 reads, we have this treasure in our possession, in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power, the demonstration of the power, may be in God and not in us. So it's not you and I that will change lives, it's the gospel. But what good... Is it just remaining with you and I? We have this treasure in our possession that needs to be distributed. This treasure is powerful. The excellency of the power. Turn with me please to Romans chapter 1 please. Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul felt the weight of his responsibility to proclaim the gospel to the entire human race. Note here in verse 14, please. Romans chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise for uh, so as much as in me is i am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at rome also note verse 16 for i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. My friend, this morning, we need to be good stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the Bible teaches us that we have this treasure in our possession. But also, we need to be good stewards of the gospel of Christ because... It's powerful. It has the power to change a person's life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And the Apostle Paul felt the weight and the responsibility of proclaiming this good news with the entire world. And that's why he he made that statement there. I am ready to preach the gospel to you. He writes to believers there in Rome. Though he's yet to visit Rome, Rome being the, the head office of the Roman Empire, it was at risk that one would preach and declare the gospel in Rome. And Paul said, well, I'm ready. If God will give me the opportunity, I'm ready to preach the gospel there amongst you. I am ready. I'm prepared to preach the gospel unto you that are in Rome also. Also, he said. I'm prepared. I'm prepared. I'm willing. Then in verse 16, he spells out, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ let me ask you this morning are you ashamed of the gospel talk to me are you ashamed of the gospel this is safe territory okay are you ashamed of the gospel when was the last time you shared it with somebody when was the last time we shared it with somebody? Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm ready to preach. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to share the gospel anywhere and everywhere. I'm even prepared to go to Rome where Caesar is and preach the gospel. And then note then in verse 16, he goes on to read, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is what? The power of God, the dynamite of God. That word power is from the word we get dynamite, explosive, powerful. The gospel has the power to change a person's life. It is powerful. God has entrusted into your care, into my care, into my possession, into your possession as a born-again Christian... Wealth, wealth, the gospel, the gospel that is powerful has the power to change a person's life. The gospel is supernatural. It has the power to deal with the penalty of sin. It has the power to break the power of sin. And it's because of the gospel one day we will be delivered from the presence of sin. And what a day that will be. A wonderful relief to be delivered from the presence of sin. We have this dynamite in our possession. Are you listening to me, Christian? We have this dynamite in our possession. God wants us to be good stewards. And to be ready to proclaim it as God provides the opportunity. And that's what the apostle was saying there in verse 15. I am ready to preach the gospel even at Rome also. I'm not ashamed. It's powerful. It's powerful. Are we prepared to open our mouths? and unashamedly share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others praying seeking opportunities now eventually the apostle uh, in time the apostle paul was given the opportunity to go to rome but as a prisoner <laughs> but within that opportunity he preached the gospel that's what it took He had to be arrested and he was shipped over to Rome. What will it take? What will God do in your life? What will God do in my life? In order that we might preach the gospel far and wide. Are we prepared to open our mouth and unashamedly share the gospel with others? Praying and seeking opportunities. Are we prepared to go to Rome? That unfamiliar place that has dangers attached to it. Are we prepared to preach the gospel? Beloved, God calls us to be good stewards of the gospel because we have this treasure, this wealth in our possession that we benefit from. And there are others that can benefit from. But what good is it remaining within your heart, within my heart? God will hold us accountable. And God will also hold us accountable because we not only have this wealth of the gospel, the power of God to break the chains of sin and deal with sin once and for all and provide forgiveness and deliverance from guilt and provide hope. God will hold us accountable. It's powerful. The gospel's a powerhouse. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is a powerhouse. It has changed men and women, uh, the lives of men and women all over the world. From all different cultures, from all different religious backgrounds, with different colored eyes, different colored hairs, Different living standards. They all point back to Jesus Christ Amen. as their Savior. It's powerful. Powerful. It's the gospel that changes lives, it changes people from within. This is what we call conversion, not reformation. Reformation is external, it's temporal in its effect. Salvation is eternal and permanent in its effect. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. At the moment, I'm reading a wonderful book of the effect of the evangelical movement, revival that took place at the end of the 1700s leading into the 1800s. Fascinating book. Loving it, loving it, loving it. The evangelical movement of the late 1700s and 1800s had great influence throughout England. It was really a glorious Victorian era. And as a result of this revival, major laws were made to curb wickedness. Because so many people were being saved and people in high places, people in authority, men like Wilberforce, William Wilberforce. What a man. What a man. That stood for Christ. The Earl of Shaftesbury. What a man. And there were many others. And because God was doing a great work, these men of great influence were voicing truth and were leading in major laws made in order to curb wickedness, such as gambling was a crime. Forms of immorality were criminal offenses. Sunday was a day of worship, so it was unlawful to play sport and go to the theater on Sunday. They were very influential, the evangelicals. But the problem was that the evangelical movement of that era learnt the hard way that godly governance, listen to me carefully, cannot suppress the sinful nature. And they came to the humble conclusion, though they continued to use their authority to voice biblical truth and to a measure had laws made that were in harmony with the word of God. But the evangelical movement learnt that the power to break sin is only in the gospel. The power needs to be broken within the human heart. People need salvation, not reformation. Now don't get me wrong, there is a place for reformation and having laws that are in harmony with the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with that. We as Christians should do all that we can towards this end and speak up because the devil's speaking up. So speak up, Christian, as much as you have the opportunity. But we must never lose sight. The permanent answer is not reformation. The answer is the gospel that changed from within the human heart. People need to be changed from within, and then they will obey God from without. The gospel's powerful. We have this wealth in our possession. It is God's only plan of salvation. There is only option A. There is no B. There is no C. For a time there I noticed on the back of buses they would advertise, what's your plan B? You know? (laughs) in relation to drinking? Do you have a plan B? Well, as far as salvation's concerned, there is only plan A. There is only the gospel that will save men and women from their sin. Note then Romans chapter 10, please. Romans chapter 10. My friend, God will hold us accountable for the gospel. We are to be good stewards of the gospel of Christ. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You have this wealth as a Bible-believing Christian. It's the power of God to change lives. And thirdly, it's God's plan. God's only plan. God has only one plan of redemption. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. Did not Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Sorry, there is no plan B. There are not multiple roads that lead to Rome. In the height of the Roman Empire, they had main roads that, that... connected back to Rome. That's where we get that term about all roads leading back to Rome. The Roman Empire was a well-oiled machine. And they understood if we're to reign supreme, we need to have access to every portion of our empire. So the Roman empire spent no expense they spared no expense in building these roads from Rome to every part of their empire in its day it was true all main roads led back to Rome but my friend it's not true concerning the gospel only Jesus Christ leads to heaven It's the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ that leads to heaven. And note here in Romans chapter 10, in verse 13, the Bible reads, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My friend, are you saved this morning? Has there been a time in your life that you acknowledged your need of forgiveness before a holy God that you are a sinner separated the wages of sin is death the only answer is Jesus Christ who died on the cross was buried and rose again and upon acknowledging your need for salvation you are prepared to believe the gospel That he died, was buried, and rose again in your place. And this point of decision here in verse 13 for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin's penalty, saved from sin's power. Only Jesus Christ can save you and I from our sin. It's not good works, it's not being religious. It's Jesus Christ. We believe in our heart, we confess with our lips. Jesus Christ is Saviour. My friend, this morning, have you made that decision? Have you made that decision? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then note then, verses 14 to 17, it reads, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Then note verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It is God's only plan for salvation. Note the progression from its accessibility to its reception, verse 13 in order for it to be received, for people to be saved. People need to believe. But how can they possibly believe if they've never heard? How will they hear without a preacher, a herald, somebody that witnesses to them? And how will they preach unless they understand that they've been Sent and they obey God's leadership. Believe the truth, hear the truth, preach it because you've been sent. He or she understands that they have been commissioned to deliver the gospel that will save because this is only, this is plan A. There are no other plans. Verse 17, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The saving faith is the fruit or the produce of hearing the word of God. Hearing that they are a sinner in need of a saviour. Hearing that Jesus Christ died, was buried and rose again. And hearing that they must make a decision and call out for salvation. But how will they ever make that decision? How will they ever have the opportunity to make that decision unless they believe the truth? But how are they going to believe the truth if they've never heard the truth? But how are they going to hear the truth unless somebody bears the responsibility that I need to proclaim the truth? And that person says that I've been sent of God to proclaim the truth because faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the word of God. Carrying God's gracious offer involves human beings whom God has brought to himself and then he uses those individuals, you and I, to tell others. It's God's only plan. And God will hold us accountable. There is no plan B. It's powerful. It's wealth. How dare we keep this wealth to ourselves? And last but not least, God has put all of us in our place to share that message with others. And that's well illustrated there in Second Kings chapter five, please. go to Second Kings chapter five. Second Kings, there in the Old Testament chapter five. The background to this passage of scripture, verses 1 to 5, is that the Syrian army, the Syrian army, they were a powerful force at this time. And in defeating Israel in battle, they had taken a number as prisoners. One of these captains was a young girl. And providentially, she's appointed a slave within the home of Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army. And the Bible teaches us at the end of verse number one, it reads, 2 Kings chapter five, verse one. At the end of, the verse, of verse one, it reads, he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Note verse 2, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, a little slave. For as far as we know, possibly her parents were killed within this time. They took her back with them. She waited on Naaman's wife and they chose to appoint this little girl as a slave to Naaman's wife. Verse number 3, and she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him that is your husband of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten charges of raiment. So we see within this passage of Scripture, we see within this home where a man by the name of Naaman has a condition called leprosy, which is terminal. There was no cure for leprosy. And we see within this same home a little Jewish slave girl that was appointed providentially to serve Naaman's wife. So in God's providence, she was placed in the household of the most powerful military man within the Syrian army. I submit to you, my friend, God has placed you where you're at for a reason. And please also note that she was aware of his condition. She knew he was a leper. How many others knew? We don't know. But she knew. She knew. And beloved, we know, for those of us that are Christians, we understand that people are lost and on their way to hell. We know that. We're privy to that information. She was aware. And also, I'd like for us to note from this little event that she had. She was privileged to have a voice with the captain's wife. Obviously, they were on talking terms She had a voice. She understood if I'm to reach Naaman, I can do so via his wife. And she spoke up courageously. This is a little girl that could have lost her life if she'd spoken out of of tune, out of turn. So she spoke up courageously. She said, Mistress, I know of somebody that can help your husband. And amazingly, in verse number five, the wife of Naaman decided to accept what she heard. There must have been a measure of trust. Would you agree? relationship, but would you also agree that Naaman's wife was probably feeling desperate and loved her husband and was prepared to try anything? So the wife of Naaman decided to accept what she heard and she acted upon it. And because of this little maid and her willingness to speak up, the Bible teaches us in verse number 14 that Naaman was cured of his leprosy according to the saying of the man of God. My friend, God will hold us accountable for what we do with the gospel. God will not hold us accountable as to whether people respond or don't respond. They need to make that decision. Every man shall bear the burden of his own sin. But our responsibility is to share. So there's this little girl serving in the home of the most powerful military man in the Syrian army what an opportunity and she knew this man had a serious problem and she courageously spoke up and the rest is history God will hold us accountable for what we do with the gospel We need to deliver the message of hope then people can decide what they will do with the truth of the word of god my friend this morning are we good stewards of the gospel of jesus christ by sharing it with others god will hold us accountable we have this treasure in earthen vessels and there will come a day in which God will hold you and I, that know Him as Saviour, accountable for what we did with the Gospel. The power of God under salvation. God's only plan for forgiveness. And God has chosen us to be the vehicle of distribution. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer for man's sin. And my friend, this morning, if you've yet to receive Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour, the Bible teaches us the wages of sin is death. Separation from God, physical and spiritual death in a place called hellfire. But God in his love provided a way of escape Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again, and he offers you and I a gift which is eternal life. This gift is available to all, but you need to choose to receive it. You need to believe in your heart, and you need to confess with your lips the Lord Jesus. Have you made that decision? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer for man's sin. The gospel changes lives and we need to get it out. We need to be ready to preach the gospel. Wherever, whenever, God provides that opening. Like Samuel Marsden endeavoured to do in New Zealand, there in the early 1800s. Samuel Marsden was Australia's second chaplain. After Richard Johnson, he came here to minister, predominantly in the Parramatta area. But God had a a greater work for him, an additional work for him. He had a heart for the people of New Zealand to reach the Maoris of New Zealand, had a love for these cannibals as they were. If you've wondered why Maoris are so large and they always win the rugby, well, there's the reason why. (laughs) Samuel Marsden loved them dearly, had a heart for them. He made no less than seven trips to New Zealand and established ministries to reach the Maoris of New Zealand with the gospel of Christ. I just read the other day that on his sixth trip, he arrived in New Zealand. He's getting old. And upon his arrival, he was saddened by the fact that there was serious tribal warfare that was taking place. And it was discouraging to him to a measure. But you know what? He went on to say to those that ministered with him, He went on to say that the sword of the spirit is still the word of God. And the hope of this nation is still the gospel of Christ. And he exhorted those that were ministering there in New Zealand at that time to keep on keeping on and keep preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. And how true that is. And because Samuel Marsden was willing to go out of his way at his own expense, raise funds and build a boat to take the gospel to New Zealand, that New Zealand has a Christian heritage because of Samuel Marsden. He understood the gospel is for all. For God so loved the world that includes cannibals and non-cannibals. He gives the testimony of a, of a lady that was gloriously saved and spent the rest of her life sharing the gospel with others. A woman that, once upon a time, before conversion, claimed to have eaten nine, killed and eaten nineteen children. Then she was converted. She spent the rest of her life sharing the gospel of Christ with others. All because a man by the name of Samuel Marsden was willing to go to Rome, dangerous Rome, amongst human-sacrificing, human-eating people to preach the gospel. samuel marsden was a good steward of the gospel of jesus christ not only here in australia but also in new zealand he was given the honorable title the apostle of new zealand and it's because of samuel Marsden that new zealand also has a christian heritage so he understood that the treasure of the gospel is not to be kept to oneself it's to be passed on to others If the gospel be hid, it is hid from those that are lost. When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? God will hold us accountable. Yes, he will. You have this wealth. You have this dynamite. You have... Within your possession, Christian, God's only plan for redemption. Plan A, there is no plan B, or C, or D. And God has placed you in the home, in the neighborhood. In the workplace, in the study place, God has providentially placed you there. Just like God placed that little girl in Naaman's palace. Are we seizing the opportunity? Let's bow for prayer.